result. You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon. Today's guest is one of Miami's hottest up-and-coming artists who wears many hats in entertainment. He's a singer, songwriter, rapper, dancer, television personality, and fashion expert. You know his face from Love & Hip Hop and his music from the South Beach Clubs. If strawberry is your flavor, he's got a sweet tooth and a big dick too. <laughs> <laughs> Malik is here, finally. What's up? How you doing? Good morning. I swear, the first time I heard that line of your song, I had to literally physically cover my ears. That line in Act Bad about your wiener, because I don't want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Six sales. So you have to add that in there sometime. Amen, sister. Okay, so let's tell the funny story of how you and I met when you were on Love and Hip Hop Miami season one. I was an avid watcher of that entire franchise for a few years not that i watch anymore because things have gotten different i was following you on instagram and i used to just like respond to your stories and somehow you and i got into a conversation and here we are what three or four years later i actually tried to scroll back last night because i was like wouldn't it be funny if i could find whatever like our first conversations were Bitch, I mm -hmm. scrolled back for 20 minutes and I was in June of this year. I couldn't get anywhere <laughs> near a dent into the shit that you and I send back and forth. I, I think it stopped letting you go back for some reason. Like, you, you don't want to go back so far. Usually you can go back years, but I don't know what's going on. Well, something about Instagram is different than like other platforms. You can't scroll back by like years or uh, months like you can on others. You just like right. stuck where you are. And if you want to get back, you got to keep going. <laughs> that shit could have yeah. taken me months. So early in your career, you were very heavily involved in the fashion industry rather than music. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think music has always been there. It's just fashion paid the bills. Mm -hmm. I kind of I kind of said that on the show. Um, you know, I, I was I started I started singing and dancing since I was like what four or six. My mom has videos of me dancing to Bobby Brown with the Gumby in my haircut. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know what the video is, but I remember seeing the video and she she remembers. But we got to find that video because it's, it's going to mean a lot down the road. But uh, you know, so music has always been in my life. It's just when I got into middle school, I started getting into fashion, designing clothes. Then I went on to working for brands. So I became a creative director for brands and doing the marketing for brands. And then that went to the next level. And that's how that started. And it, it just took off from there. So Love & Hip Hop came and they already knew I was um, being, I was designing this backpack um, line called, not designing, but working for this backpack line as creative director for marketing with, called Wizpack. Mm -hmm. And that's the backpack I premiered on the show. And I was actually really, that was really actually my real job at the time. Mm -hmm. So... You know, that was affiliated with music because, of course, it had speakers to it and played music. And we had a lot of lunch parties with Chris Brown and everybody. So the connections, it all worked together. Fashion music, it all worked in Miami. That's how fashion came and went about. So fashion has always been a part of my life as a fashion stylist. Um, I, I was a fashion stylist and personal shopper in Miami. Then I, I moved to New York 2010 and I became a fashion editor for Blue Magazine. Then I went from there to... Man, personal shopping and styling in New York. Then I came back to Miami. I thought it was like over New York from being so fucking cold. <laughs> it, ran, it, ran, it ran me out. of too many slips and falls on my back, busting my ass in Harlem in New York. 
walking in the snow. A guy from Miami don't know where the hell he going. <laughs> this was this when it was no Uber and no Lyft. Right. It was just a train and walking yeah. in a cab. So this is 2010. So when I came back to Miami, say 2013, a couple of years later, then that's when the, the show came. I'm actually pissed because it's beautiful here. It's like 74 degrees. It's fucking November. Like this is hoodie season. That is oh, what wow. I'm prepared for. And it is a yeah. spring day outside. I'm fucking irate. Everyone else is happy. I'm miserable. So when did you first start recording music? Do you remember what your first studio experience was like? Well, we saw that picture on Instagram, right? We talked about this in mm-hmm. uh, 2013. So it had to be a little bit before 2013. I was recording at this studio called Debrunier Studios <laughs> in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, like I said, a, a kid just just new to music, don't know really what he's doing. Booked my own sessions back then, Cre- you know, started to create my own records. That's when I first began writing on, you know, my music. And it's completely different than now. So I think, you know, I thank God for the growth, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it's all about growing. And I didn't have a teacher. I didn't have no mentor to show me what to do, how to do it. You know, it just I just just went about my way. Just, you know, watching Usher, watching Bobby Brown, watching Slick Rip Missy. And just being inspired and saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to find a way to do it. So I got my little coins together, my money, my <laughs> $150, my $200. I booked my studio time at $25 an hour. And I just went I went for it. So yeah. were you working on music while you were doing the styling and the shopping and all the fashion stuff? No, I actually had stopped. I got discouraged mm-hmm. because the music, I was, I just, it just wasn't in tune with me. Right. I guess, I, I don't know, I wasn't in tune with it. So I guess, like I said, I got so busy with the fashion and working for like NFL players and working for DJ Khaled music video, his first music video in Miami. So I just got so busy with that. I just, they, they were the artists and I was a stylist, but I knew that's not something that I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be in front of the camera. I knew I wanted to be that guy that was a star and I wanted a stylist. Right. So I can't do that too long and then want that lifestyle. I mean, I'm not like, you know, I'm like behind the scenes. So I said, you know, I'm going to just stop the fashion and I'm just going to get focused on the music. And that's what I did. Yeah. And especially the longer that you do something like that, first of all, I'm sure the money is distracting because there's a lot of money coming yes. in for something like that. But the longer you do it, the more people in that industry start to see you as what you're saying, the behind the scenes person. And the harder yeah. it is for them to start to look at you in the light that you want to be seen in. So that makes sense. Absolutely. So how did growing up in Miami influence you musically? Hmm. Good question. You know, the thing is so crazy. I always say this. I'm from um, I'm from Fort Lauderdale in Miami because when I was I was born in Fort Lauderdale, but I was raised by I was raised like every weekend in Miami, Coconut Grove by my grandma mm-hmm. because my mom had a you know, she ran her own business. So I'll say both. It's crazy. They're only, they're only 25 minutes from each other mm-hmm. up the street. So it's like I was in I was raised in both barrels. So growing up here, of course, I was influenced by Miami based music, Uncle Luke, Uncle Al, Trick Daddy, Trina. The list goes on, um, you know, and I feel that I always had a resonant connection with New York. Mm-hmm. It's just New York, just the sound of the music, you know, uh, like I said, again, Slick Rick, Notorious B.I.G. Growing up in the 90s, it just always has something for New York. It has always inspired me a little bit more than Miami music did. Right. And I always wanted to like be in New York. It was just something about it. That's why I made that vision, made the move in 2010. Mm-hmm. But I've always, since I was a kid, watching New Jack City and watching those shows and those movies in your know, Rap City and all those shows out of New York, one of those in Park, it just inspired me to move to New York. I'm like, if I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it out of New York. Right. And TRL, I mean, you talk about TRL all the time. Mm-hmm. 
seeing TRL, like, how can you not be inspired to fucking move there? Yeah. So, like, especially being an artist, you know, even in fashion, like, so I kind of would say Miami influenced me with the Miami bass and that sound of, 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 of rap and the fast paced upscales, I mean, upscale lifestyle and the luxurious of how beautiful Miami is. But New York was that grind and that hustle and that Times Square that motivated me to be mm-hmm. who I am. It's funny. It's funny that you say that too, because I feel like it's changed over time in the sense that the time period with New York that you're talking about, it was like the hub of the entertainment industry and specifically for music with the labels and things like TRL, 106 and Park, all the stuff you're talking about. And now I feel like it's shifted since that time to LA and now everybody wants to go to LA because that's where all of the stuff is happening. That's where I want to be. Absolutely. Are you going to move there? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm planning it every day. LA, LA is definitely going to be home for me for the rest of my life. I already put it, I already put it engraved in my brain. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've lived in New York. I lived in Miami. Where else can I go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, besides, unless I'm going to go to London, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but LA has to be the stop. I mean, for entertainment, television, you know what I'm saying? I have to, I have to go there. That's where everything is now. London sounds like a good escape if shit gets really crazy. <laughs> Exactly. I have a few friends live over there. Love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. on my top places to visit. I still haven't been there. I definitely see you going there. Absolutely. Who are some artists that you were inspired by growing up and inspired by now? Oh, man. We have to go off the top to say the first artist that blew my mind, of course, Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Of course, his, I mean, his stage presence, entertainer of, of, of all decades. Bobby Brown would be second. Bobby Brown, I would say, of course, people laugh at me and people say Bobby Brown, like they have this reaction, but then they think about it like, you know, you're actually right. Yeah, they forget. That, that was the first artist I saw that sung in rap at the same time. You don't know that Bobby Brown is a rapper. You listen to his music from Don't Be Cruel album. He raps on mm-hmm. his records. And I, that's why you always, some records you heard me do, mm-hmm. I was singing and I rap. And I've learned that flip from him. Yeah. And to look at it, you see that Bobby Brown inspired Usher. That's why Usher's the way he is. Usher's always giving his flowers to Bobby Brown. And I look up to both of them. I look up to Usher and I look up to Bobby Brown and they look up to Michael. So it all works together. And I've always wanted to be the legacy after them. Not saying I'm just like them, but in my own way. Those those artists just impact my life and inspire me so much to be an artist that I am today. And writing my own music from R&B to pop to house to hip hop to rap lyrics to really trap rap. They don't rap like that, but I flipped it in my own way. Right. You know what I'm saying? With getting that sound, listening to Juvenile, listening to Missy Elliott, listening to Timberland and Pharrell growing up, being obsessed with Timberland and the whole Beat Club crew and Aaliyah and all of them and mixing it all in with the New Jack Swing in the 80s. It's just crazy what my mind does. Right. But you hear a lot of it through my music. And then mixing it with Uncle Al and Uncle Luke and that Miami bass. It's just crazy. It's a bowl of gumbo of craziness, mm-hmm. but it comes out phenomenal. Like sometimes when I sing you records, I'll sing you the beat and then I'll sing you the record. You're like, wait a minute. This whole thing was just totally flipped. Yeah. Than what I, than what I expected. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I love that shit too. Cause it's so funny to listen to something like before it's done, whether it just be like the instrumental or the beat or whatever it is. And sometimes I'll have an idea in my head of where I think it's going to go. And then it'll go yeah. in a totally different direction. Totally different way. Yeah. I yeah. love that shit. Um, who's making music right now that you're excited about? Good question. Who's making music that I'm excited about right now? Is it not Ice Spice? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I give flowers to all artists that, we, you know, that are blessed with uh, impact 
And it's that moment. I mean, I, 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 you know, I support everyone. I tell you that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I support everyone. But I, I, you know, who really, really just like, wow, I'm, I want to know what I want to know. I want to see what she does next. Doja Cat. Mm-hmm. She's so talented. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I told you that with the rapping and the singing. And some people don't think she's a rapper, but she is. Yeah. So she always, you know, the visuals, me, me and you talk about the visuals is always insane. Her team. So that I want to see what she does. Male artists. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know. I would say this. Chris Brown is always, you know, a, a, an icon to me. Yeah. And I think he's the closest to always impressing me mm-hmm. and seeing what he does next. Um, he's an incredible talent. Little Nas X makes great music too. I really, you know, it's, I, I look at him as an artist visually that I look at it and I listen to his music. It's like two different things, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But his music is, music is always big. Yeah. And I love big. I love stadium. You know what I'm saying? So I would say... I would say those two people. I'm always like excited to see what they do next. How they're gonna shock the world? What they're gonna do to bring us in? Yeah. So yeah. But you know, I'm you know I'm a lover for like '90s. Like you know, yeah. I'm still obsessed with the Misty's and still obsessed with Diddy and you know what I'm saying those people. You know, me and you look. We talk about Daddy King and Day Twenty Six. Uh-huh. Like, yep. We we're older. No, no shade. Yeah. But I we listen to. We're still obsessed with the people that we grew up listening to. Oh, that inspired us then. Hundred percent. That music never dies, and it's fun to watch like the younger generation discover people and not have any idea who they are. I saw a really funny TikTok recently where the person making it was like maybe nineteen, twenty, and they were just (laughs) discovering Janet Jackson. And they had no idea who she was or like what she's done. It was crazy. And she's still doing it. It's amazing. I can't wait to see what she does next, too. I hope we get a new album. And Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Like, those people, bro. Like, those major powerhouses we talk about. The Beyonce's, the Rihanna's, the Jenna Jackson, the Britney Spears, the man. Uh, who else can we say? The Drake's. Yeah. Nikki's. Those major powerhouses. We're always excited to see what they give us. That's the level that I've always wanted to be on. I just feel like it's unfortunate that sometimes I feel like the closer they get to that level and the further they ascend, the less we get from them. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes me frustrated. And Usher, legacy, of course. Uh, is he still doing his Vegas residency? Yes. Uh, well, it just ended on, uh, you know, I know, mm-hmm. on the 29th of October. <laughs> and I didn't, get, I didn't get to catch it. Yeah. Uh, I was supposed to go, but I'm going to catch it. He's, he's coming back March next year so i definitely catch it but the show has de- i'm so glad i didn't see the show in the beginning yeah that it has gone to so much bigger and so many different surprises he's done so much more with it i'm glad i kind of waited because now i look at the show it's like wow he really has changed the show so yeah well. but i'm glad I, i'm glad i waited so it's gonna be really good by the time i get there i want to see that too he's actually one of the few artists from that era that i haven't seen like i've seen most wow. of the heavy hitters from the late nineties, early two thousands back in their prime, but I've never seen Usher live. That's crazy. I've I've never missed a concert from Usher since I was a teen. (laughs) Every time he came to Miami, I was right there. Absolutely. That was me. That was me with Chris Brown and Justin Timberlake. I never missed a show. Justin is a powerhouse. That's another one. Yeah. Powerhouse. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I didn't even think of that one. Sometimes I forget about him. He's another one. Like where is another album? Come on, Justified. Are you kidding me? Come I know. On, That's my shit. I still bump that in the car. Let's get through the love and hip hop shit because I'm sure you're tired of talking about this. <laughs> it's cool. The world is first introduced to you, myself included, on a larger scale in 2018 when you start in the first season of Love and Hip Hop Miami. How did that opportunity come about for you? It's so crazy. I get that question a lot because a lot of people DM me still to this day in that show. I did that show in 2000. 
2016 to 2018, mm-hmm. uh, they came to me. I remember being approached by Felicia Monet from 99 Jams. She was the first person to reach out to me. I guess they were doing interviews or casting for this show because this was the first season right out the box. It was just a pilot because they were trying to sell the, the, the state, I mean the state, because they sell the states to the network. Right. And it was already even talked about Miami, but they just never landed on it. So they finally got Trina on. Once they got her on and got tricked, everyone else had the feeling after that. Right. So it was people that they knew of. And Trina been knowing me from a long time. You know what I'm saying? Um, I knew her for a very, very long time. And I, I think she vouched for me. And I think, which, you know, that's a blessing. Yeah. I heard. That's and also, huge. Um, yeah. And, a, and a, amongst a lot of DJs, it's like, you got to get Malik. Like, you know, he's a, he's a stylist. He's doing music. Like, they, they had to get it. And then they got Michelle and she was already connected to me. It just worked out. And the people that I knew on the show is actually people I really knew in real life. Mm-hmm. Like we were really friends, right. you know, Prince and all these different people. So it wasn't something fake. Right. These are people that I really knew. The only person I didn't know was like Amada and Bobby Likes and all those other people. But everyone else that's from the ground of Miami, I knew mm-hmm. from being out and about on the social scene. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they approached me and... I was hesitant because you just never know what you're going to get with Love & Hip Hop. So when I was filming, I was always on the edge because I didn't know if someone was going to come out and punch me right, in the face. Right, right. I had to come back way back from the throwback from 10 years ago talking shit. Yeah. I didn't know what, I didn't know what to expect. So when you watch me on that show, bro, I just was a, a regular guy in Miami too. Like, I got six cameras in my house now. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Filming in my real home. Like, everything you saw me, everything you saw on that show for me was authentic, real. Right. There was no fake script. There was no fake house. Everything you saw was legit from me. I can't speak for other people. If you ask me, is it, is it all real one day you ask me? And I'm like, I'll, I can only speak for me. Right. Like Michelle is my real friend. I know Trina. I know all these other people in real life. You know what I'm saying? So when people, when the fake is mixed with the real, that's when it gets crazy. And that's when you don't know what's going on. Right. And that's why you saw me on edge a lot. But I never fought anyone. Let's make this very clear on the show. On the show <laughs> exclusively. I never put my hands on anyone on that show. I never fought anyone. I never threw a drink on anyone. I never spit anyone. I never threw a chair. I never downgraded anyone. You know what I'm saying? The only person I had an argument with was the person I dated and the, the stranger of, of Bobby. I didn't know him. And it was animosity. But it still didn't get too far. Right. People, they tried to make it more dramatic with the car scene. Right. But I never, ever, ever wanted to have that image of being something of a domestic violence of a person right. or he likes to fight and things like that. But I think people saw the arguments and they were they were, they were, they were, they were brutal. Right. And they take that to the next level than what we see now. Right. What we see now on reality TV is beyond me. I, I could never act like that and roll like that. Yeah. So I'm grateful that Love & Hip Hop protected us in kind of a way. And they did do some editing on a lot of things, but you know, it is what it is. Well, yeah, I mean, they need the drama for the ratings, but like you're saying, Absolutely. what goes on today on that, on reality television is just insanity. Bro, I would have been out. I would have been out. Bro. Yeah. I would have been out. So, I mean, I, you already answered my next question because I obviously wanted to talk about the fact that there's such a conversation about reality television, especially as reality television has gotten older and gone to a different level like we're talking about there's always conversations about how much is not even so much scripted because that's a conversation but even more so 
influenced by production. And sometimes there will be producers and, and people involved in the project that will kind of like plant stuff and maybe tell one person one thing and another to cause a fight. So yeah, was everything that happened with the relationship and you rekindling things with your ex and this other person being involved, that was all real? Well, I would say me and him was real. I wouldn't necessarily, giving you an exclusive, I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> say him, him and him was real. Right. You know, I've been, no, I knew, I knew that ex for 10 years. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew everyone he knew and we had conversations about it. I didn't even know he was on that show until he came to my house and told me one day and production was, I was like, they, there was like, someone's on this show that you know very personally. They wouldn't tell me and I asked him before they even knew I knew and right. he told me. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, this is the real thing because, and that's how organically it was because he was already over my house. Like we were already rekindling. Right. And then it came. So we just threw the relationship in there. Like I said, again, being on the edge and not knowing what this is and then seeing my relationship fall apart because of the show and all the things that came with it. Not, 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 not saying they made it in, but all of the antics around it that we normally wouldn't have. You know what I'm saying? Me and him got along like best friends. Right. We were chill. We were good. I knew his family. His family knew me. My his family knew my mom. Like it was like that. It right. Was that close. Right. We met his dad. Thanksgiving, Christmas. Like we spent that together with our families. So imagine taking that and crumbling it up because of TV and all the antics that came with it and all the naysayers and the chit chat. It just was a mess. That's always a conversation with couples on reality TV. They'll all say that it'll ruin your relationship and then they regret Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, and they're getting fame. They never got an attention. They never got, you know, I was used to it because. Like I said, I've been around celebrities and I've been out all the parties and people already knew I was, but he was still kind of new to it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just, you know, it just sucks that, that that had to happen, but things happen for a reason, so. Was Hop your motherfucking ass over your real hot-headed reaction? It's like, I will motherfucking hop over this bitch. Let's do it. Bitch, hop you know over. Me, oh, yo, ass. Hop, you, you know that ass. You know I owe your ass. Yeah, that, that that scene, you know, that scene, let me tell you, bro, that scene was hours. It was like seven hours. Mm-hmm. I think we were waiting in that, waiting for that scene to happen. And I really didn't want to film that scene. I remember being so just over the whole thing. I had to do this because mm -hmm. it was part of what was supposed to be done. And uh, a couple of drinks in <laughs> and I was a little, I was, I was mad, I was bad, as mad, uh, annoyed at, the, at that point. And um, when, you know, when the certain words came out, I didn't know him, you mm -hmm. know? So it's like having someone attack your character, you don't know who they are. It's like, I don't know you. I mean, we, we can do this. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But I still kept it, you know, as I did. As you see me walk away from the scene. Right. I said what I said. I had the anger came out and I walked away. It was never me actually jumping on the car or hitting him or it could be could have been worse. Right, of course. People, I just think that people discredit me for how I carried myself. And of course, you know, I go back to the things that were said that shouldn't have been said because I was educated in my own sexuality and battling my own battles and mm -hmm. things that guys don't even know that I filmed and they, it, that was never brought to light and never seen the film with the, you know, the scene with my father, me coming out to my dad as a, as an adult. Oh, that's waiting crazy. 30 years, waiting 30 years to do that. And we filmed it and it wasn't able to be shown because he threatened my life because of my sexuality. Mm -hmm. All these things you did not see. And that hurt because right. I could have been came out to him and not waited for the show, but I was told to wait. Let's get this on film to help others and bless others' lives right. with their father. And, and, and then to get that to happen. And then all you see after that is that scene. So you don't know where the anger came from or where the buildup came from. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. It's just put out there. So I just hate that it skipped that. 
and people didn't people didn't didn't really get to know who I was, right? Or or see the full story of of what led up to that situation. Absolutely, Which, it's like this is not the Kardashians. They create their own narrative. They create they they put out what they want to put out, and it gets done. Right. We didn't have that choice. When right. it was edited, we we have no so say. You well, know what I'm saying? It was also a very different time. I feel like it was. I always say like. 29 end of 2017 this was yeah so end of 2019 early 2020 i always like say that was the shift and there's like the old world and the new world so i feel like that was the last of the old world where like certain things were said that weren't taken so seriously or in a way that people were so upset about so i feel like when you watch back stuff like that now you have to keep that in mind we weren't being as cautious or concerned about some of the things we were saying we were more free to kind of just like let our mouths run and see what the fuck happened and the backlash that you may have gotten from saying certain things wasn't what it would be now so i think that's important for people to remember oh absolutely because i hear i hear i hear that certain word on bingo i hear it on twitter I, I hear it still in lyrics and i'm like what like i can't even say the word because i just feel so much pain from that you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying and i feel so sorry about that word mm-hmm. that is derogatory that way and it makes way, the way it makes people feel so to still hear it in 2022 and people use it so freely and even in the own community people use it oh word, yeah and I, hear I say it, it all the time <laughs> i've screen recorded on my phone people saying it like they have no business mm-hmm. and I have that. I'm going to save that part for another situation right? because I'm going to use that piece. But I just feel that, bro, like I have to have respect for this LGBTQ community and I have to know that certain things are not to be said, even yeah. if you are that sex. And you have to respect everybody. You know what I'm saying? And you have to not only respect them, but educate yourself why not to say it. Mm-hmm. And it's all about growth. And I think I've grown so much from, Clearly, from 2016 to 2022, bro, like, come on, I'm a totally different another person. Yeah, you know than what than than, than what I was then. Well, you know? yeah, I mean, that's just natural growth as a person. We're talking about what five years ago, and now you're in. Now you're into your 30s. That was the end of your 20s, turning 30, right? Yeah. So it, I was. It was early 30s. Right. Yep. So everything changes. Mm-hmm. What was it like working with Trina? being that you had kind of known each other and you had grown up in Miami and in the, in the Miami music scene. I never, I never filmed with her. Mm -hmm. That's so crazy. Right. But I knew, I knew her cousins. I knew her, uh, people, part of her family, you know, I've been around her mom's house when her mom was living, you know, rest in peace to her mom, but I never had a scene with her intent, you know, directly, but you know, we've seen each other at, at the reunion. We've seen each other at the premiere at the premiere party, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I never, and we see each other in the grocery store because me and her both lived in Brooklyn. Oh, that's I, funny. <laughs> I would be filming this show and running to Trina the damn, and in the, in the damn grocery store line was just say, hey, what's up? You know, it's always been cool. That's you know, cool. But um, I never had a scene with her. So I, I couldn't tell you that part. Did they offer you to return for season two? They did. They People don't know that. They did reach out to me to film season two. I had, they actually came, they actually had me come to an interview and sit down with the executive producer. I was begging them the first season, like, it's about the music. Right. Like, I know you guys want the, you know, the creative director, fashion guy that lives in Brooklyn that has this upscale lifestyle and that's showing, you know, the LGBTQ in a whole nother light of how it can be from other side of the bridge to the other side of the bridge. But I am really trying to pursue this music and they wouldn't listen. We're going to get to that second season, get to that second season. And you know, you guys never got it. Right. So after the show, you guys get all this music, like what the hell? We never knew he was an artist and he's actually good. 
You know what I'm saying? And I never talked to you about that, but I always have thought about that and wondered, like, you started full force releasing music, like, right after you were done with the show. And I always wondered why that wasn't a part of it and why that wasn't included, because clearly you were already working on stuff. Yep. I had sent in songs. They just never pursued to play the music. And for people like, you know, the artists of like Fat Joe, T Genesis, Bob, all these people complimenting my music. Right. It's just like, bro, if this would have been on that season, it was just would have been so much bigger. But hey, they had already had all these artists and Bob was trying to be an artist at that time. Remember that? Mm-hmm. So it just was, I just would have been rumbled up in that mix. So it happens for a reason. But not to say the least, if you're getting exclusive now, <laughs> they will be playing my new music and showing my music videos and my music on this new VH1 special called Where, Where Are They Now, which we just filmed in June. So we'll be coming out on VH1. And you guys get to see the follow-up and where I am now with music. So you got that exclusive on this show that that is filmed that is in the bag. These are a we lot know. of exclusives today. I like it a lot. Yeah. So God is good. It came back around. You know, and I feel too, I'm happy about it because me and you talked about this. If I would have dropped music then, I wasn't so ready. I didn't right. have a catalog. Remember we talked about yep. this? Because you are my friend in real life. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> Now we have 10 records on, on as a catalog and we have a mix save, we have music. So now it's better for the fans to catch up and go back. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. I mean, what is your take on that? On what? Now the music is ready. Then it would have been dropping in 2016. We had one song. Yeah. I mean, I think to have included it in the show, whether it was the season that you did or whether you had done a second, would have worked to your benefit, obviously, because there's so many eyes, millions and millions of viewers on that show. So I don't think it would have hurt, but I do agree with you, like listening to what you made then versus what you're making now, there's such a clear elevation. And I think whenever someone, like we were talking about, you started around 2013 in the studio and really recording music, I think it takes time especially when you're doing things independently to really find the people you want to work with who fits you best when it comes to like producers and engineers and even a studio and vocally finding your place the sound you want to go with so i agree with you i think that now you're in such a different place and you know exactly what you're doing and where you want to go that something like the special that you're talking about will only elevate you i think it's great agree so looking back from where you are now as we're talking about evolving as an artist and as a person, do you regret doing it or would you do it the same way if you could go back? Good question. I didn't come here to play games, bitch. At all. I, I, I would say this. For anyone that's listening that want to be on reality TV, I feel, of course, we all thought that we have so many more opportunities being on that show. And especially the opportunities and the things that we want to do in life. For us, if you if you have a clothing line or you do music, and to tell you to be honest with you, I didn't have a lot of support in what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like I really had to always prove myself more because I came from reality. Right, and Cardi B talked about this. You know, it has nothing to do with Love VH1, and they didn't stop a bag, they didn't block blessings, none of that. Because whatever is for you is for you. You know, but it's always harder to prove yourself as an artist or prove yourself to be serious because you come from reality TV and everything that you do, they feel like, okay, he, he's doing this, he's doing that, just be back on TV to have this as a storyline. Like, no, mm-hmm. this is real life. This is thousands and thousands of dollars in music. This is trial and error. Like, this is some real shit. You know what I'm saying? This is what but I like, actually want to be doing. Absolutely. 
So it's hard to get auditions for acting. It's hard to be chosen. It's hard to be get a record deal. It's hard to get a budget. You know, it's hard to get a sit down with an A&R executive because you come from reality TV and they feel that it's all drama and fighting and you know what I'm saying? Right. But and no. they don't take you seriously. And they don't take you seriously. Dream Doll talked about this. Cardi B talked about this. It is real life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're really, really serious about your artistry. And I think we all three are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it really was it really was hard to it still is, you know. I'm still struggling a little bit to be heard and acknowledged the way I want to be. Right. But I I think people really seem like this this motherfucker's really serious about music. That's all he that's why you see me, Mike. I'm very strategized how I post. Right. I don't post a lot. If I post, it's about music. Right. Because that is the direction. And I want people to know that when you see a post on my page, it's music. Right. Like, well, damn, that's all we're gonna get. That's all you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. Until I feel that we're at a certain level, then I can show you everything else. But I have to strategize this like this because I gave you my whole life. I gave you my love life. I gave you everything. Right. But that show you, oh, now I got to give you the professionalism. I got to give you what I really want to do. Right. I got to throw it in your face all the time. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. And you're almost curating like a resume or like a, a reel in the old sense, not an Instagram reel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With your Instagram. So like when people are looking into you, whether it be from a label, a producer, whoever it is, other artists that you want to work with. It's almost like your resume for them to see all these posts of your music Absolutely. and your cover arts and your videos and all that stuff. So that makes a lot of sense. So to answer your question, I would say I don't regret it. Um, I love the experience. I, I, you know, it's a part of my story. It's a part of my journey. And I mean, I'm ready for anything at this point. I can do a movie. I can do a re- another reality show. I'm ready. I know what I'm, no, I know what I'm going into. I'm prepared. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't have that chance. I mean, it's only one, of, one, out, one out of a million you're chosen to be on a show like this. You know, people audition for that show and they don't get chosen. So you have to have something they see for you to be on this show. You know what I'm saying? I don't regret it. Would you consider doing another reality show if it was more based on like you and your career and, and building your album and everything that you're doing with music? Because I miss those days where like MTV would do shows about new up and coming artists. I'm thinking about the Ashley Simpson show specifically. I remember that. Or like a Making the Band where they show you the process of like making an album. Or MTV Diary. Like 100%. Where the fuck is that? Bring it back. That's definitely what I want. I definitely want my own show. Um, I definitely don't. Does me. You talk about this a lot. We have a lot to cover. You know what I'm saying? With Mm -hmm. family and music and relationship and creating this music and you know the ups and the downs and really showing you how hard it is and the struggle to get an album or record or single release like that is something but i definitely like i wanted like you know not say kardashian style but to create my own narrative Mm -hmm. and be able to edit the show how i want it and how i want it to be presented because i want this thing to be very tasteful professional upper echelon top tier you know what i'm saying with a budget something that looks nice nothing with the ratchetness and the arguing and the fighting and all of that. I want you to see the real, the firing the manager, the hiring the manager, all of those things that you know those stories we talk about of course. that I've been through. Right. They need to see that. And a good representation yeah. of who you are because I feel like the way you were represented on the previous show, like you were just talking about, is not who you are. You're not a confrontational oh. person. You're not getting in fights over bullshit. Like, you're about your business and, and working. Let's stop there. Let's make that very clear. I don't get into internet beef. No, I don't. I don't I, at all. You never see me in comment section. You never see me on live yelling at the top of my brain in the morning, yeah. fighting with someone I don't know <laughs> from another show. You have never gotten it. And I left that show. It was ease for me because I knew that wasn't me because I know where my attitude can go at that time. A little hot, little hot tempered. 
But, you know, I've always kept my slate clean. I've always wanted to give you guys some upper echelonness or eliteness or give you that sound of a real artist. None of my music sounds bootleg, like in somebody's backyard basement. It's always top tier. The way I present myself every time I come on the internet, I look nice. I carry myself great. I don't have a white t-shirt on looking a mess. <laughs> I don't do that. Every time you see me or anywhere, I try to have respect for people. Thank you for acknowledging that. And I appreciate that a lot because a lot of people don't, don't look at it like that. Well, I feel like you and I talk about, we've had this conversation before many times. That is like a lost part of like the star quality when it comes to artists. And I blame social media because it has made people so accessible that you're like you're saying, people are just posting everything about their life. And part of the draw to the Britney Spears of the world, the Janet Jacksons, the Madonnas, um, Beyonce even, in, and she still carries yeah, sure. that. Very private. Uh, sure. Yeah. When we were growing up and watching these artists, you only saw them on a television show, whether it was a TRL, a diary, like we're talking about, live performances, award shows, and interviews that they did, whether it was radio or whatever. You didn't see these people walking to the fucking breakfast spot to have pancakes. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. So I feel like they've ruined some of the mystery that made stars what they were. So what you're talking about with presentation and how you present yourself to fans is important. It's almost like a lost art in the music industry. Yeah, and I stay out. I, you know, I don't go out every weekend just because of I'm known and I'm popular. I mean, I did when the show was on a little bit. But, you know, I dip and dabble in the straight scene and the gay scene. I, you know, you, you, you never know where I'm going to pop in at. But I keep it very exclusive. I, the last time I was out, bro, was probably um, uh, two months ago. Yeah. A month ago. I, I, I can go without. You know what I'm saying? There's so many other things to be doing. And when, when, then when you do pop in the club, people are surprised to see you. And people want to take pictures with you. They want to have a conversation, conversation with you. And they're happy to see you. Right. You're not in the club every damn weekend trying to tear it down. That's not my vibe. So there was a lot of public conversation at the time that the show was airing about your sexuality because you were talking about how you were kind of coming out on the show and in real life. So first of all, how do you identify now as far as your sexuality? Because I feel like you're kind of just like, I like what I like when I like it kind of person. Like, I feel like that's how you are. That's really how I am. I mean, it was a point of, of course, I have somebody very special in my life right now. Um, we're not going to talk too much about that. I'm also asking because your fans will kill me if I don't ask. I know you as a person and I feel like you're that way. The You like what you like when you like it. But in your music, you mostly rap and sing about women. So I feel like Kinda. Kinda. that can be confusing okay, to those I'm who don't know. That. I'm going to come with it. Some records, I will mention a woman because I, I mean, of course, every gay male or every bisexual male loves the physique of a woman. Even when I go out, I like taking girls out with me and my gay friends because a girl is just going to give you the extra turn up. She's going to twerk. She's going to be wild. She's going to throw her head back. It's going to be that vibe. So I love partying with women anyway because they're just funner kind of. Um, you know what I'm saying? And, and they're, just, and like, they're like, whatever. I'm a girl. I'm going to get in. I'm going to do what I want. You know what I'm saying? Who's going to stop me? And I love that. Guys are a little more like, oh, I don't know. Let me fill this out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Let me get in a couple of drinks in and then I get there. But girls go right in straight to the twerk. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? You know how I live yeah, this. Of course. So, I feel that I've always wanted to almost give a, a homage to women because mm -hmm. the music that I make is Miami based. Girls twerk more to that. They they, they they get out there. So, and I, you know, I dip and dabble with my sexuality. It depends on the mindset I'm in at the time. But I am a gay male. I, I do, I have had, I dated women till I was 20. 
You know what I'm saying? I, I had sex with women. I love eating pussy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and I love, you know, I, I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I love, I love, I love, I, I love it. You know, I love both sexualities I love. And of course, I love one more, you know what I'm saying, which is a male, of course. Um, so my music is for everybody, you know, and it's not a lot of bisexual artists. A lot of it's not a lot of artists that's you know fluid with their sexuality. They're already gonna pick one and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I I, li- I like my music to resonate how you take it. Sometimes I'm singing about a female or a male. You don't even know. I just don't say a name or a gender. You just feel free to do you know call it what you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? So I just I don't like to put a a, a box put myself in a box right or limitation to it. <laughs> no but pun intended. Right. It's more female based. <laughs> but you know you know what, like right now what you know what I'm dating and talking to now is a male. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, let's go back to the special person in your life because I cut you off. Let's talk about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you never talk about that shit. This person's very private. I'm private when it comes to that. You said I don't put it on social media zero at all. Mm-hmm. Um, no one even knows who they are. They probably never will, you know, uh, unless we do a, a show or something and they, they're on for it. But, you know, we're still learning each other. You know, we, we have been through some dips and ups, you know, but I feel that this person is a soulmate to me. I feel that uh, I, they're like my best friend, my close friend to the person that I, w- I have to speak to every single day. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're great. So I'll leave that at that, that I appreciate them a lot for being in my life. Is this person in the entertainment industry or is this person a regular ass person? Not at all. I wouldn't even say regular because I, I don't like that word. Well, you know what I mean? Like they're not in the public. Yeah, they're not in the public at all, which I love. I like that for you. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah, cool. Just to go back quick, when we were talking about you coming out on the show and in real life at the same time, you were about 30, right? So what made you feel ready to share that part of your life with everyone? Um, You know, we battled with that, you know, between the 10 interviews with Love and Hip Hop. Let me tell you, boy, we battled with that. It took a lot of them to bring bring that out of me because I wasn't even going to say anything about it. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't run. I couldn't run from it because I knew there was someone out there like me. As someone that was, you know, in fashion and going into music, they had this this hidden life. Right. Not saying I wasn't out to my gay friends because people didn't know people people didn't know I was gay. My gay friends, knew, you know, that scene knew, but straight scene did not know. And I expressed that many times on the show that the straight scene and my straight friends never asked me, so I never told. Right. And it's like if you don't if you don't ask, I'm not going to tell. You know what I'm saying? If you if you if you ask me, I tell you. But I never I, I always was I always was respected, and I never was asked. So I just came out and I told Prince in that scene. And he didn't even know. That was his real reaction. Everything you saw was real. And I remember after that scene, I had a horrible, terrible breakdown because I had came out to myself. You guys didn't see that part either. They edited it out. But it was so emotional that producers ran over to me. They had to literally lift me off the ground after that scene in the hotel lobby. I literally came out to myself and really broke that ice to tell someone straight scene that I was gay. I battled, I battled through a lot, man, with that show. I battled through a lot through the film that season. Well, I feel like that's another part of why not to regret it. Like, I feel like you came so far through that process. Yes. And now it's like who you are is just who you are. Like, you don't even think about it at this point anymore. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Not at all. Following the show, you dropped your singles, Freak Ya, Not Tonight, and Motion, which is my shit, as you know. <laughs> Was that the first time you had gotten back in the studio since you had been filming and promoting the show when you started recording yeah, I, this music? I got in the studio with uh, I got in the studio with Corey. His name is Corey. They call him Co. Captain Co. Mm-hmm. He works with Trina. He's a he's the hype man for Missy. 
He's Missy's right hand on stage. If you ever see Missy performing, he's there, the ball head guy. And he's, he manages Trina. So I got in the studio. He's best friends with Michelle Pooch mm-hmm. from the show as well. So like I told you, this is real life. We're all really connected. And I had knew him previously from hanging out with Michelle. I knew him from that and seeing him with Trina as well. But he was on Take It to the House record with Trick Daddy and Trina. So you, you know who CO is. You probably, he kind of like in the background a little bit, but he's super talented and he wrote, he wrote Motion. And he organized and executive produced Free Kill. Those are my two singles that I dropped right after the show. And he was the one that got me in the studio. And that's how I met my incredible engineer, Michelle. And bro, I've been, I've been with the same team since then. Uh, but me and him, we have actually worked together on a new song, Dreamy Right. He's a feature on the record. So this is how far I've come in music because he, he wasn't on other songs. I, actually, he did. He did the background vocals on Motion, which you love. That's my so, favorite. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's your favorite. So you always tell me that. It's always going to be my favorite. Yeah, and that's something to get the recognition that it needed at the time. And hopefully it does. It will. We'll be able to get a video out for that record. It will. That's a fucking song of the summer. Do you remember when we were out in New York that night we were at that club? And I was drinking Hennessy thanks to you and your friends, which I had no business doing. Um, and I was, he was like, they need to play motion, play motion. I was screaming at the DJ. I was like, play motion. And you kept saying, I have other songs. I was like, no, you don't. Not to me. <laughs> you were so mad. You were like, I got a new single out. I was like, who gives a shit? Play motion. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so your debut project, My Demeanor, was originally scheduled for a 2018-19 release. And obviously the music that you've created since then has evolved and changed. Um, talk to me a, a bit about what made you decide to hold it back. Obviously COVID happened in 2020 and that was beyond your control. But prior to that, what caused the setbacks? Hmm, that's a good question. My demeanor is my baby. It's like having a newborn. That album, I mean, every record is already in place to be done. Some records are, I begin some of them and didn't finish them or they're already written or the beats are already ready. I just got to record them. That, that album costs a lot of money. Yeah. One. And I, I, you know, I, you know, I love my samples. Mm-hmm. So clearances played a big part of delays, clearances, not getting clearances that I wanted. Um, actually saving some songs for features. Like to me and you talked about that. I want to do some records that are so big. I like, I got to have this person on this song. I can't do it right. without this person. So it's a lot of that. And also like it being an album that transitions from New Jack Swing to Miami bass to house music to trap, mm-hmm. hip hop. It's, it's so many levels, le- levels and layers to that album. It's going to take a body of work. I feel like it's going to be a double fucking CD, which we don't make CDs anymore, but you know what I mean? That's fine. It's going to be over 20 songs. I love that. To be. And I feel it's like one of those Rhythm Nation albums or those dang, uh, thriller albums. Not saying like that, but you know what I mean? That big, where I don't want to put out an album and then it's not, it doesn't get the acknowledgement that it needs or heard and seen as it should. Right. Because we're still trying to get to that label budget or that, you know, that, uh, that, uh, that, that notoriety or that marketing that it needs. So I've always like throw out singles that are not actually the singles that I really want to put out because the singles I really want to put out, they're so big and so massive, I cannot let them fall and fail or not be overlooked. You know what I'm saying? So I just feel that we're saving, you heard these records, I'm saving these songs like Summer Love, mm-hmm. Treat Me Right, and all these big songs that you heard, you're like, why is this not out? And you, you argue with me about it. Yeah, I like, do. It's not ready yet. <laughs> it's just not the song. You know these songs are big. 
You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, what is your take? Like, you heard the music. What do you? What, what do you think? Well, I think that it also speaks to who you are as an artist, and it takes a lot of like self awareness and discipline and dedication because it's so easy to get so excited about a song like and we're talking about unreleased songs a song like treat me right or a song like summer love which is going to be a, a huge for you like it's probably the biggest and when i say that i mean like sounding song yet and i feel like it takes such a level of discipline and a vision that you see ahead of you to hold on to that instead of just wanting to throw it out there. But if you sit back and you think about it, it makes sense because why would you want to put some of the best work you've done out until you're at the point where you know it's going to do what you want it to do? It makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah. So everything that I've been putting out is building up to that stage. Like, okay, you're not going to be shocked when you hear Monty Bass, but you're not going to shock when the shock when the beat switches to New Jack Swing because he's been putting out these songs, building a catalog leading up to that big record. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people that I work with, I wouldn't say my producers are like people that I did features with, they get like upset because they're getting, they getting impatient. Like, mm-hmm. when is the song? Yeah, oh. right. But I'm like, bro, I got to have the music video with it. I got to have that vision. I got to have that Dave Myers budget, that Joseph Cam budget with director. Like, we need that. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, need, I know what I see. I know what I envision. I know what I, you know, uh, manifest. And if I just don't feel we're close to it, I'm not going to put it out. Right. I'd rather just hold it. Like, you know how some artists say, I held this song for six years. And you're like, what? And But it's, it, it, it gets this just due. And this is just the right time. Yep. This is it. Well, it's all about timing. You know? And we talk about that all the yes. time. But I'm frustrated every day, bro. Trust me. I'm frustrated every day. And I want to finish this album. And I want to get this album to the max. But I know it's, it's going to take that Mind Demeanor 1989-2023 album and that world tour that I want. Right. I want, I, want, I want a team behind me. I want a label behind me. You always argue with me about that with the label thing. So, well, just yeah. specifically which ones, but that's my own opinion, which I'll keep to myself today. Um, it's also incredibly challenging to release music independently, especially for you because you are so hands-on. You're writing the music. Executive producing. Right. And when it comes to recording, you're paying for everything, the marketing, the studio time. Sometimes I'll, I'll call you or I'll text you and you'll be like making your own fucking single art. Like you do everything by yourself. What do you find is the most challenging part? of recording music independently. I've mastered myself to record the records that you've heard. Those were records we're recording in two hours. Even though I may have a budget of like a thousand or 1200 and my studio time is only $50 an hour because my engineer, but I work like I'm broke. Right. It saves me budget. So if I know I practice this record for a month, I can get in that motherfucking and kill that record in two hours, singing and rapping at the same time, doing my own background vocals literally going in without looking at lyrics mm-hmm. and Michelle sees that and some it, it has to be a really particular record where I'm switching up personalities as you as you see sometimes I do like act bad and it takes me four hours because I'm going into so many different personalities and I gotta have that that accent gotta have that you know that tone so that's really that but budget has always been the delay and like you said being so hands-on and trying to take care of course I've had man I had a manager named Eric I gotta give him his props that came in and he definitely helped a lot too. And in the midst of those earlier records, um, but he never was in the studio with me. He's never been in the studio session. I don't have anyone in my studio sessions. You know that. It's only just me and my engineer for the past five years. No one has never sat in my studio sessions. I never had a background vocalist. I never had a writer to rap my raps or my my vocals for R&B. It's just been me and her. And we, we knock it out and we bring it to, to life. And it's crazy to say that because 
artists have so much fucking help. And I'm like, if I had the help they had, yeah. And the, the 12 writers on one song, and the, and the executive producer in the studio with me saying, "This is out. This and put this, bro. I would be. It would be crazy to yeah, it. Right. It would be massive. So just to do what I'm doing, and it still sounds good to your ears, and you give me your honest opinion, like this shit is sick. Yeah. Oh wow. You know what I'm saying? Get the reaction from the fans that DM me and like the celebrities too, bro. I'd be amazed as well as you guys. So sometimes I do records. I'm surprised it's fucking me. I'm like, bro, that's me. Like I, I rap like that. Like, but it just depends on the mood and, and the vibe that I'm in. You know. So a label deal is something that you're going for. You don't want to stay independent. I would love to have my own, be, be blessed financially, have my own money to invest in my own album and all my own masters. Right. And be able to put the money out and the million dollars for the video. I don't care because I love music so much. I'm like a Michael. And I'm like, you know, like Usher and like a Mystic. We're going to get this visual done. I don't give a fuck what it costs. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get to it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to let the people see what we envision. Right. And I'm all about that. Not saying waste and budget, but it's, a, it's for the fans. Like you like me, you talk about it. We look at those videos from the past. Even you love you, you're you're like obsessed with Britney. You look at those toxic videos and those videos. Like what the fuck? Like look at Britney on that motorcycle. Look at that bitch in slave video. Right, like, bro. That's visuals and it sold records. You know what I'm saying? We 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 fantasize about being in that video. We wish we were there. We feel like we're in it. Right. And that's what I miss for music. Then now these artists, like we talked about this, man, you did like last week, right? Filming a music video in the fucking park. Oh my God. With two cars, bro. Like I'm not on that. No. I'm on bringing you a story. I'm here to show you a whole new world with how it relates to these lyrics. That's what I want. And it's hard to get that from a label. And to do things that are memorable, like the videos and the artists that we're talking about, we're 20, 30 years later out of these releases and we're still talking about it. People aren't like the things that are happening today, the videos we're talking about where they're outside in front of their fucking rented car, just doing nothing. One scene, one shot. Nobody's going to talk about that in, in 10, 15 years. It's not memorable. You want to do something that is memorable and visually on the next level. It's setting an impact. Yeah. Speaking of videos, you have a few that you've teased that haven't come out yet. Are those still coming? <laughs> they're done I mean they're done are they not uh, I would say I filmed two and I didn't like it. I'm such a perfectionist I'm like even when you saw me come on the scene with Get It Girl remember you saw that clip it was yeah. like 30 seconds uh -huh. and people lost their fucking mind you know I had like I told you those few rappers they hit me up they were like yo this shit is crazy you know what I'm saying but it was just that wasn't that wasn't supposed to be a video We I did it as an extra to the summer party video and we used that last of 30 seconds and I just ripped that, that camera like it was mine in the middle of fucking 90 degree weather, weather <laughs> in the parking lot in Miami with Versace on in Louis Vuitton. You know what I'm saying? But it was the energy that I brought and I wanted to prove myself that I'm a real fucking rapper and I'm going to let you see this Miami in me and, that, and that's what I proved with Get It Girl, that shot. And I think from that, I was I got to set the bar. Mm -hmm. And that's when we put in the budget for Hot Girl video. We filmed that, remember that? Right. And that was yeah, I watched it again head. last night. Yeah, and it was. If, if you look at the video, it's so, it's good energy. It's it's it's, it's top tier mm -hmm. for the visual of it, and the smoke and the car scene and them filming above me and the fire and all of that. But it still is not what I know I can bring because I really want to bring the fans. You know this dancing. I really want to give them a fucking choreography routine. Like I really want. That's what I really want. But it has to be a story. So the things that I did film, I'm not happy with them and I got to do them all. And, I'm, and I'd rather wait to put out the good shit and it being elite and top tier than giving you something that I'm like, okay, that's medium. 
Speaking of choreography, we've seen clips of you dancing from performances in videos that you've posted. Where did dancing start for you? Is that something that you've always done or is that something that you worked on specifically for music? I thought I was, remember I told you I was dancing since I was six to Bobby Brown, Don't Be Cruel. And um, every little step I take. So my, I, I give props to my cousin, Shantae. She, you know, she grew up with me as I am the only child, but she wrote me and she was such a dancer. She was such into video soul and MTV. And, and she all, that's all we did. Like I was the kid that did not play sports on the outside. I was never really allowed outside like that because my mom didn't want me into games and different shit. So I was always glued to BT MTV. That was my life. Me too. After school, I stood and I sat and I watched music videos all day. Yep. And talked about that with my friends. So it has always been a part of my life, bro. So it's like dancing. I, I just feel like I never got to give you guys what I really wanted to show you guys and how well I can dance and how I can kill this shit. I'm you know ready. But I just feel it has to, it's gonna, it has to be the right record, which I know Treat Me Right is. And I think you're going to get that visual and that dancing with Treat Me Right. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be sick, and especially the choreographers that I want to work with. Yeah. So yeah. we talked before about the start of music for you and getting in the studio. I mean, it's been almost 10 years if we're talking about 2013. So moving through your career and trying to ascend to the next level and certain opportunities where like you think this might be it for the big moment and it isn't, how do you keep yourself motivated? Do you ever feel discouraged? I feel discouraged sometimes, sometimes when I can't put out a record and it has a clearance or I'm like, how I'm going to do this? I never want to disrespect the artist that made the original and just put it out anyway. I never, I never, I, I respect every artist. I respect every producer, every DJ, anyone that was a part of that body of work. I never want to disrespect them. And a lot of artists just don't care, like Tory Lanez right. put out a fucking record and be sued later. Sometimes you really have to do that. And I respect artists too for that because you're like, we're going to put this out. And if I got to pay you later, I'm still going to give you credit, but I just got to get this record out because it's my, it's, it's my best work. Right. So I feel them on that. And that's how I feel too. And sometimes a lot of artists are delayed by clearances. And a lot of artists are delayed because they fell out with their producer or their executive producer. It's a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So I feel, you know, that is the most dis discouraging part for me and my music is the clearances. But everything else, it's like, it's easy, bro. Yeah. What is your relationship with Diddy or Love or whatever the fuck he's calling himself these days? Because you are always at that motherfucker's parties. Yeah, I mean, I've always looked up to Diddy since I was a kid. I mean, who, who, who hasn't? You know, from being a, a a producer to a mogul to, you know, forming his own label to all the success, you know, um, he doesn't have many failures that we know about. But I mean, he's always kept the energy and kept, you know, supporting people and putting people on. He's helped a lot of careers. You know what I'm saying? Every time I went to his home for a party, I've always, it's always been an incredible time, the best time of my life. I met the best people in his parties and he is a king of house parties. And I want to, I, I, and I want the throne one day once I get that house and that lifestyle. But I've always, he's a Scorpio. His birthday is three days after mine. So of course we're Scorpios. So everything he likes, I like. It's so crazy. Everything he likes, I like. The way his house is, favorite color is red. I mean, everything, the way he parties, his lifestyle, everything since I was a kid has been the same. Yeah. I never like not disliked him. He's always treated me nice. Every time I met him and I ran into him, he's always spoke and I spoke to him. In his home, he's always open his home to to people that he loves, and he don't even know. So that I mean, how can you not respect somebody for that? Yeah, know? that's dope. 
2020 through 2022 has been big for you release wise. You've had 10 records drop, a few remixes, originals, um, the video for Hot Girl, which we talked about, and a full mixtape. What is the week prior to releasing a song like for you? Yeah. <laughs> which I kind of know the answer to. <laughs> you tell me the answer. Stress. <laughs> Stressed out as fuck. Like, man, trying to create my own visuals for promoting. You see, I do that. <laughs> trying to get these clips together. Trying to figure out how I'm going to go, go about this in a whole new way and refresh, revamp, not giving you the same thing. Yeah. Bro, it's just a lot, man. Paying out money. You know, to different graphic designers and trying to edit things myself. I try to, you know, bro, I've always told my last manager, I'm the most artist that can cut corners and save a fucking budget like a motherfucker. Yeah. I just had to learn on my own. And if, you, if you're a real artist, go out there, do your research, watch YouTube, make your own shit happen like you do. Make, create your own cover art. Do your own photo shoot. Style yourself. Know how to edit your own videos, your own promotion videos. All those things I do right. on my own. Right. One on one. I don't have a fucking team behind me, bro. You know what I'm saying? And I stop using me because sometimes you, you, you like you depend on them and they delay you. And sometimes they, the work is not ready when you want to put it out. But it's just like, bro, I can't be held up. When I'm going to say this is going to be released, it got to be released. And that's how I roll. So, yeah, it's crazy madness for me. It's hard to get people to care about you and what you're doing the way you care about you and what you're doing. You know, Absolutely. no matter how much someone can work hard for you, it's never going to be the same care and attention to detail as when you're yeah. doing it for yourself. And it's also funny because you're so hands-on business-wise as well. Like I remember when I was in Miami and we were out having drinks and you were prepping for a performance and you were on the phone like nine times in the course of the yeah. hour, hour and a half that I was with you, just like yeah. trying to figure out the set and, and the choreography and the dancers and whatever, like all of that stuff is where a team comes in and you're doing that on your own. So I think that's both yeah. impressive and stressful. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Overwhelming. It really is. But I love it and I, and I don't complain about it. And I know, God, I know that this is my destiny and I feel like I'm not going to give up until it's done. We're not going to give up until we get that Billboard Top 10. We're not going to give up until we have that performance on BT Awards, MTV Awards. That's what you dream of. And I, to listen to the Travis Scotts and all these people, I remember looking at Travis Scott. It's a video on YouTube when he was first started rapping and there's nobody in the crew, in the, in the crowd. I've seen but it. Like, people, remember that? Mm -hmm. Even make it. Looking at her in the beginning and look at it now. Sold out festivals. It takes dedication. It takes a lot of money. People don't understand. To be an artist is so much money. It's thousands and thousands and hundreds of dollars. Studio time, wardrobes, I mean, releases, everything is it, on you. You know, it's no one else. Some people are blessed to have somebody that sold drugs or someone that has <laughs> crafting to back them up. You know what I'm saying? Those rappers have those people. Right. You know what I mean? But everyone doesn't have that story. Everyone, everyone doesn't have this story like the City Girls when them making one song and someone's, you know, small studio and one person hearing it and then they go from F that nigga to act up. Right. You know what I'm saying? Being signed to QC just that quick off one song because right. they're two girls. You know, of course they had a little grind, but it's not them having a whole catalog of your records when they first dropped. Or Lil Nas X being signed off SoundCloud off this one record, Old Town Road, and it blows up and he gets, he goes diamond. Everyone doesn't have that success story. Right. My story is 10 years in the making. Fronting everything on my own, not giving up. Even when I some some records do better than others, some records you see the first night it drops it's like whoa, 
and it's, the numbers are still going. And you see some records, it goes down. It goes up and down. You, you never know. But I love this journey mm-hmm. because I know where I come from and I have to appreciate every step I take. Right. You know what I'm saying? And the label has to look at this. Whoever I'm signed to, and if I'm signed, if I even sign myself and collab with a major label, they have to know where I come from. What is your favorite song that you've done so far? Wow, Mikey, really? <laughs> I have three. Treat Me Right is an incredible record. Film Patel, you haven't heard that. It's insane. Summer Love is another one. Incredible. Mutual Love. So all your all your favorites are shit that's not out yet. Absolutely. What's your favorite that's out? I, I, no, but, no, I, will, I will say this. The records that, the records that are out that are uh, my favorites act bad. Oh my God. Yeah, me too. Massive. I love that one. Massive record. I love You Can Get It. Crazy beat. Very Jersey House vibe beat. That was massive. Been Watching was dope too. I like Been Watching. Um, that gives you that Miami-based R&B, which I wanted to tap in for so long. And yeah. we finally did it and nailed it. It took so long to get that record done years in the making. That record took to get the right element of that beat. Shout out to TNK, my producer. Mostly everything I put out, Mikey, I have to like. I have to, I have to be a favorite. I can't put out something that I don't like because I fucking wrote it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Of course. So, yeah. I mean, but those are my top three releases, you know? What is your songwriting process like? Is it different every time? Bro, I can write a record in 15 minutes or it may take me a day and no longer than a day. That's why I have to be very excited about the beat. The beat, once I hear the beat, I know the title of the record automatically. Once I get the title, I get the hook and I build everything around that. And I go into these, if it's going to be an R&B record or it's going to be a rap record or it's going to be a house record. I have to decide with that what is it going to be. And bro, I can get a record done, like I said, in 15 minutes if it's that massive and I'm that excited about it. So the original version of your single Summer Party has yet to drop. Is that still on the release radar? Is that coming at some point? Is that what you were Absolutely. talking about with like a sample issue? Yeah, that was the Montel Jordan um, sample issue uh, with the clearance because he doesn't own, you know, the the publishing to that record or whatever have you. And uh, we, we had a lot of people we spoke with and... Uh, I want to release that, but I want to release that with a massive video, of course, in LA. Yeah. So that's another reason. Like I, these records need videos. Yeah. And these records need, you know, video budgets. Yeah. So that's the reason. Yeah. But I, the original is crazy. People were it's crazy so crazy. It. I feel like that it, could be such a big moment now. Yeah. yeah. And the DJs that were playing it that you that you had given it to to like kind of tease it and premiere it. We're going nuts over it. Yeah. So you did release a house remix of Summer Party, which is awesome, which you did with um, Errol Bangs. I love all the I love all the house music he creates. He's got a new EP out that I really like. What made you want to dip into that genre? Because it's very different from anything you had done previously. That was actually my first house record. I always love house music. Who who the fuck does not like house music? (laughs) I mean, that's what I heard my whole life. I'm Mm -hmm. actually, you know, being at Live, being at Story, going out, eating at Nikki Beach, you're going to hear house music on Ocean Drive. You can't help. So I'm like, being from Miami, I have to do a house record. Mm-hmm. And we found that perfect record. I'm like, since I can't release the original, let's release a house version. And Aero Bames was with it because he yeah. loved the original. And he's the perfect person to go to for any of my house records and beats. I go to him because he's he, he, like, that's his jam. But then he's also the guy behind Act Bad. He's on the beat. He goes from Miami bass to house. It's crazy. His brain. Yeah. He's so incredible. So yeah, man. I feel like that's what makes your music exciting though, because you never really know what you're going to get. 
when a yeah. new song is coming out. You're some, like you were saying before, sometimes you're rapping, sometimes you're singing, sometimes you're doing both. You have a record like that where it's, it's heavily house and it sounds a lot like nineties club music, which is what made me love it. And then you have records like act bad, which is a totally different style. When did you realize that you could rap and what made you like fuck around with that? <laughs> Good question. I never wanted to be a rapper. Are you kidding me? I'm like, bro, I didn't know how to fucking rap. I had nobody to teach me. I wasn't slinging drugs on the street to rap. But, you know, I, I, I mean, I've heard it. I was inspired by rap, you know what I'm saying, to be an R&B artist. But what made me rap was Summer Party original. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted OT Genesis on that, re on that record as a feature. Mm -hmm. I reached out to him many times. I, I actually spoke to him in DM, in, in, in email with his people. Couldn't get him on the, the record. I couldn't afford it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. If he did want it, but he never asked me for any money. But it just he was like, oh, let me just hear what you got, da, 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 something like that. So I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to write my own rap to it. That's how this works. If I can't get it featured, do you feature yourself? That's another quote to a new artist. If you can't get it featured, do it yourself and challenge yourself. So I sat my ass in the room for a week and I just scrap it, write it, scrap it. Wait, there's it. a rap first on the original version? On the original, on the original summer party, there's a rap, there's a rap feature. I haven't heard that. Yeah, it's 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 a rap feature of me rapping in. I sing <sighs> and then I rap. I hate when it's massive. I hate when you hold things from me in secret. I can't stand it. Yeah, yeah. You have the record. I don't have the. They hear it. I don't have the original. Yes, you do. No, bitch, I don't. <laughs> yeah, you you have the original of summer party. Okay, well yes, I'm do. I'm gonna go through my you text. To to I'm gonna go through my text messages and I'm gonna find yeah, that I don't have it. I'm gonna send so, you a screen recording so and then I'm gonna slap you. Yeah, so when I did the rap version of that, and I sent that rap version of that feature to Kedar Massenberg, which he was the CEO of Motown at the you know back in the day, he hit me back. He was like, "Who's that rapping on the song?" And I said, "It's me." He said, "What?" He said, what? Like, he, he couldn't believe it. And that's when I know I'm like, okay, I think I got something. Yeah. And that was the first record I rapped on and I've been rapping since. That's crazy. That's only two years ago. I wasn't expecting yep. that. That's nuts. So getting that stamp from somebody that worked for Motown, like, fuck this, I'm out of here with it. And after that, we did Get a Girl. Right after that. Ugh. Yep. Two slaps in a row. Yep, yep, yep. What other business ventures are you working on or do you want to work on outside of music? And are you still doing a skincare line? Okay, so I want to do a skincare line, a men's hair care line, a body care line for men. Uh, I want to have a day club in Miami. So I want to Ooh. get into the day club, nightclub business. I want to uh, have a clothing line, which is always going to be a part of my life mm -hmm. and do some collabs with major lines um, and, you know, fashion houses. So that is definitely something that I want to tap into. I definitely want to be one of those artists that have endorsement deals out the ass, mm -hmm. but it makes sense to my brand. So that's why we've been keeping this thing very clean mm -hmm. and top here. And there's no messiness because we want that. Once we get to that level, everything to fall in line to place. That makes sense. What is the accomplishment that you're most proud of so far? Becoming an artist, saying I, I did it. If I don't do anything else and I leave this earth tomorrow, I put out music on my own. And we put out 10 records and they're good. And it's records that's timeless. You can listen to it any moment of time. And, you know, of course, also accomplishing being on national television all around the world. A kid from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Miami. Like, are you kidding me? Everyone doesn't get this chance. Right. So anywhere I go now, still to this day, they know who I am. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that is something that you just can't pick up and do. That's God given, you know, it's you're chosen, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? I, 
I mean, much more for me to do. So those things. Good question. In what aspect do you feel you've grown most as an artist since you started making music? You tell me, because you've heard it all. And I'll tell you mine. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Sonically, vocally. From you hear only one, the army. Remember the army? Well, record? that's but that's not a fair. That was the first record I did. That's not a fair I, comparison because that one is so good. That they if, don't know about that, so tell them. If you heard it, you wouldn't be like, "Oh, this is his first record." Oh, this is a new artist that just started. You know, so I don't think that that's a fair comparison. But I definitely think like from where you started to where you are now, there's like a clear elevation in the sound. And I'm talking about like the production and the style and then your voice as well. Like you've gotten so comfortable with where you sit as far as like how you sing your range and then the rapping, which makes so much sense because now you're telling me that you only started rapping on songs in 2020. So it's clear to hear from things I've heard until what's out there and, and what's now and what's coming, the elevation. So sound-wise was my answer. I think that's where you've grown the most. So you're asking me? Mm-hmm. I think in production, like you said, I think the production, and it's so crazy because I have the same engineer. Mm-hmm. I just think that the choice of beats and really being hard, hard ass on my producers. Mm-hmm. And like you remember, remember, like me and you go back and forth. I'm like, bro, they has to be mixed again. Mm-hmm. And mixed mixed and mastered again. Being on top of Yanni's ass, on top of uh, <laughs> on top of my other guy. You know what I'm saying? I can't really think right now of all my people that I work with, but I work with the same three people. And bro, the mix and mastering is a big part of it. And if we don't, if it's not great and clear and it's not sounding like a, a signed artist. Like I'm not, I don't want it. I'm yeah, so much what's the people, point? But I'm respectful of their time and they get paid right. two, three times each time. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, the production is definitely has been my elevation, I feel. What do you think? And telling stories in my raps, I feel. Yeah, I feel, like, I feel like just everything as sound-wise as a whole from 2018 when I first started hearing what you were doing till now, it's just a different level. Yeah. And every time it gets better. Yeah. You know, I feel so. thank, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Let's talk about Treat Me Right, which is the next single. We've talked about it a few times during the interview. It's an upbeat 80s inspired. It kind of gives me like a little bit of Belle Biv DeVoe. When is yeah. that coming out? What are you most excited about for this single? Well, I'm excited because Howie T, the original producer of the record and Chubb Rock, gave me the okay in currents. They heard it and they loved it. And for him, for me to get a step from Howie T, the original producer of that record, Treat, treat Him Right, is crazy. Like, I, I just, I, when I got the answer so, back so fast, I was like, wow, like, this is this is gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? So, and also having Corey on it, CEO on the record, it just stamped it. He was like, I gotta be on this record. He hopped on it within three days. He, already, he, he had his record, he had his, he had his feature done. So I knew he was excited. You know what I'm saying? For someone that works with Missy every day, come on, bro. For him to hop on that, it's like, you knew you, you I, I know I have a hit. I know this is something that we've been waiting for. And for you, for you also to hear it first and you're like, bro, you know yeah, what I'm saying? It's out of here. It's a, it's a totally different level. I just feel, I am just, I want this video, Mikey. I, I can't even express it to you much more. And I want those six scenes in that video, those six shots. I got to have the dances on 10. Um, I got to have the look. It got to be representing the 80s to now, to 2023. We're going to take this to the next level. So 
I'm just planning this thing out great. I want, I want, let's say this, I want to release it this month, November. Let's aim for that, for, the, for this month. For it to drop, you saw the promotion's already done, the cover artist done, the record been mixed six fucking times. You know what I'm saying? The original vinyl is inside of the mix. It's, it's a lot of stages that got this record to where it is now. When I first did it, it wasn't ready, but now we got it. We got it, John Pack. Errol Baines killed it. Yanni killed the mix and mastering. CO loves it. Howie T loves it. I love it. You love it. It's ready to go. It's timing this month. And I didn't want to put it out near Halloween. Remember we said we didn't want it to feel like a fucking Halloween song because of the cover art and yeah. the 80s vibe. And people would say, this is a Halloween record. You know, yep. we didn't want the wrong perception. So let's aim for this month. But I'm excited in a motherfucker. I can't even tell you more than that. I'm excited for the song. It's massive. The young kids, teenagers, adults, older people. It's a record for everybody. And it's a clean record. There's no cursing. It is radio ready when you heard it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what is your take on the record? I love it. But I love that style. And I think it was done so well. I love the feature because that's different for you. You don't really have features on your music. I don't think, do you have, do you have any song no. out that has a feature? No, right? Nope. Yeah. The first feature. I like that. I think it breaks it up. He's excellent. He sounds great on it. I think that yeah. his involvement is is good for you. It's big for you for that yeah. release. And you never know because of that who it ends up in front of that it may not have right. before. I think it's great. I I love it from the perspective of just listening to it. I love the the story behind it and everybody who's involved and what it could do for you yeah. as well. I think it's like it's definitely in my top five of of stuff you have out, probably my top yes. three. Thank you. Appreciate that. Because we can't speak on the stuff that's not <laughs> out yet that I've already heard. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be a good moment for you. For us not to have so much out, we have so much more to look forward to. Oh my God, it's a, like a stack. Yeah. It's, it's stacks of mm -hmm. records that you've heard the beats to, records that's unfinished, you're like, bro, bro, bro. Like, you know, we, we are excited about that. Even though we've heard it, and it's in the waiting room, but at least we have it in the back. Because some artists put out a record, a, a fucking record that goes to a hit record, and they're lost. They don't know where, where the next song gonna come yeah, from. Yeah, right. And the next song is not as good as the first one. We see that shit every day. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm excited for what's to come. And I know I got, man, I'm like, bro, I can drop this. You've always got ass. something. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm excited about that too. What is next for Malik? What does 2023 hold for you? Moving to Los Angeles. Releasing the full album, My Demeanor 1989, 2023. Hopefully going on a world tour. If it's opening on my own, I'm, I mean, it, you know, I'm open. I'm, I'm humble about mm -hmm. that shit. Um, definitely putting out the skincare line. Definitely working on a collab clothing line, pieces, capsule line. Yeah, and being in love and having a solid relationship. Oh, boy. Um, you know, and, and I definitely I definitely want to have some definitely some different charities giving back to the LGBT community, AIDS community, homeless. Those things matter to me a lot. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So definitely want to anything that we are involved in. Of course, I get your input on that as well. Anything that I do, I want something percentage to go to those things. Right. Because we're here to help. I love that. Where, where do you see me in the next year? You know me so well. I think that 2023 is going to be a shift. I think there's going to be a change. I think all of the things that you've been prepping for and frustrated about as far as 
the level you want to do things, having to hold things for whatever reason. I think that 2023 is going to be something new for you and it's going to put you to the next level where you thought it would be 2020 and it wasn't and everything kind of got fucked up since then because of COVID. Other challenges, of course, but mainly that. And I think that everything you wanted to do then is going to happen now. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. That's manifested. And I can't wait to see it. I'm excited. Thank you for sitting down and doing this with me. We've been talking about this for so long. Come on, Mikey. This podcast is lit. It's dope. I'm loving all the interviews, bro. You're killing it. I'm proud of you. I I can't wait to XM Radio sign your ass. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dollface. Wait, we have to we have to say before we leave, this is a big moment because not only is it your first like real sit down in depth interview, but this is the first podcast that you've ever done. Podcast, Good for me. And I saved it for who? Absolutely, we talked about it. <laughs> what, 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 what did I say? No, don't say it. Don't say it. about the podcast. Don't say, don't say it. Oh, I can't remember. So you're lucky because I would have said it. <laughs> All right, guys, be good. Be safe. Oh yeah, definitely stream the music on Spotify, Apple Music, Malik is out there, Act Bad, Losing on the Beat, you know, all those records are killing it. You can get it. Whatever, what are the other titles? I can't remember right now. Summer Party Remix. Yes, all of those records, man. Go stream and download them right now. Let's get to Summer it. Party Remix. Love that one. Much more to come. And if you're listening to this, just go to my Instagram story and I'll link a bunch of shit all week so you can find it that way. Make sure you run up the numbers. All right. Thank you so much. Peace.